Backyard Conversations, episode nine. How you doing, Mr. Davis? I'm doing all right. I'm back again. We're back to the mic, as always. A recording right here. It's your boy, G here with Timmy Davis. And I think we should just hop right into it. This episode, what do you think? Yeah, let's jump into it, man. Don't mind. All right, let's do it. Okay, so let's talk about the Euros, right? Because I know I followed the Euros uh, closely. And I don't know if you did as well, but you saw how it turned out in the end, right? England against Italy. Yeah, yeah, I followed it uh, closely. And um, I can't say that I was expecting anything different as <laughs> to the aftermath of what went on there. You're talking about the results and what happened with like, Jadon Sancho, Bukayo Saka, and Marcus Rashford, yes? Yes, all of that. I think that was easy to see because we saw it coming. We literally saw the finals together and we were like, if this boys miss, something terrible is going to happen to them online. Exactly. It was just like a thing where I saw them, okay, if they lose, that's, you know, that's fine or whatever if they lose, but let it not just be like a mistake from one of the black players, right? That's all I was hoping for because I knew that if... You know, anything where you could point a finger at a black player and be like, it's their fault, then I know that racist abuse is coming for sure. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it was expected. There's nothing new about it. I, I was prepared to see it happen mainstream. And I feel like, you know, we make a lot of excuses for social media companies talking about how difficult it will be to, like, curtail this kind of thing. But something has to change. Like, the the, the way people are able to hide behind their, their keyboards and spout racist abuse at people, you know, professionals who, who try their best to manage so much pressure under all this, like, flashing lights and whatnot. Social media companies need to come together and, and think about how they manage trolling and racist abuse online. Mm, I'm not sure if they care too much, to be honest, because if they did, like, they do have the technology. They can, I mean, they can, you know, flag several comments or, or keywords or whatever on their platforms. I'm not sure why they're not doing more. Um, Boris Johnson has come out the other day to give an ultimatum, basically telling them, you know, they're going to have to do something about this or, you know, Face fines up to, I think, about 10% of their global revenues, right? So right. looking forward to seeing what they do about that. Like, I mean, technology is there. The way they flag, you know, any conversation about COVID, you, might, you don't even need to say COVID in your comments. Just say vaccine or something related, and it gets flagged right away for information on COVID. So why could, can they not do it for this virus right. that has been around for centuries now, right? COVID has only been around for a couple of years. This the virus of, of hate and racism has been around for for a millennia. So why can they not do something about it? Yeah, and, and just talk about what you said, you know, about the technology. I've seen posts that are like Instagram stories where there's basically just a photo with the text COVID inside it or like an, or an Instagram post. Like. Mm-hmm. So whatever is reading this data and capturing that, you know, text from a photo is smart enough to be able to like, you know, help with with clamping down on on racism exactly it's just not a priority for them like if it was they would have fixed it already right the way covid became a priority for everyone and came to the forefront but i mean it's just too sad to see that you know it's still 2021 right now and people are still doing this nonsense like if if losing or missing a penalty has anything to do with your race 
Like, it's just completely stupid. Like, these people have done so well for the country. Um, Bukaya is right. He's a, you know, a young man from Elian. That one hurt me even a bit more because, like, he used to play. So my, my younger cousin, actually, they played in the same um, team starting up, like the Celtics, um, out there in, in West London. And, you know, he was born in Elian. So was my cousin. Like, they're the same age. Um, they've crossed past many times. So, it, you know, it's more it's closer to home type of thing, right? And then you, you have people like Rashford that's, you know, been fighting for the kids out there in England as well. And to get this racist abuse from the same people that you're fighting for, do you know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's worthy of note that for every time, you know, Google and Facebook get in trouble with the government, especially here in uh, North America, the United States, and they talk about how to manage misinformation or racist abuse or radicalization on their platform. We all know it usually boils down to how all of this generates traffic on the platform. And traffic means they can point more ads at people, which means they can tell more advertisers to bring advertising to the platform. You know, for them, it's more about how enticing it is to, to the bottom line, not mm-hmm. necessarily about the, the mental health of the athletes or the well-being of the people who are being abused. Exactly. And the worst part of it is that um, I just find myself, even now, finding myself having to explain reasons why they should not be racist against these people. Like, there's any justification for it. You know, you see people, and you're like, I feel like black people always have to justify their existence, you know. It's like, oh, Rashford is fighting for the people. Why are you being so racist against them? He's fighting for f- to feed the kids. Bukaya is only a young man. He's done so much already. Why are you, like, do you know what I mean? You have to justify, give all these justifiable right. reasons. Meanwhile, there's really no reason to be given. Like, just don't be racist. It's, it's as simple as that. Like, we don't need to justify how well we're doing or what we're doing for this and that or how the colonial, this and that, whatever. Like, there's literally no reason to be given. It's just like racism is bad, and that's what it is. Full stop. Right. right? I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have to give you a reason as to why you shouldn't abuse me, right? It should just not exist. Like, you just shouldn't. Exactly. It happens. Like, did, did they go out there to lose on purpose? No. Like, they want to win. They want to, you know, lift up trophies. You know, they want to get their name cemented in history. Right. Like, there's a lot of pressure. It's just how it is. It's life. Speaking of people who are trying to win, did you see the recent scoreline between the Tigers and the USA uh, men's national team? Oof. Yeah, that one is a, it's a funny one, isn't it? For the U.S. was the best. I know, right? And everything is all connected. You know, we just talked about racism in sports and, and how this, these young men were abused online, you know, on social media platforms. And then you have a Nigerian team which is comprised of, you know, a lot of home base and foreign talent mm. and, you know, squaring up to the USA men's national team, supposedly the best team on, on the planet. And it's like showing them how exactly to play basketball. Yeah. But to be honest, I'm not even sure why people are too surprised. Like, to be honest, like, you know, a lot of African-Americans can trace their lineage back to West Africa anyways. Like, that's where the original gene pool starts from, number one. <laughs> number two is like, it's not like there's not been magnificent Nigerian players in the NBA you know you have legend Hall of Famers Hakeem the Dream people like that that yeah. have been there yeah. you know from back in the day even now right you have people of Nigerian um, origin right um, I mean they may hold different nationalities maybe Greek nationalities or German nationalities or whatever nationalities that they may have but they're still you know first generation like um, second generation Nigerians right their parents are Nigerians were born in Nigeria so I don't, I don't see the surprise. And a lot of them actually play in the NBA. They're good players. So 
what's the whole surprise? The U.S. likes to think that, oh, we're number one at this sport, and, but you need to understand that the U.S. also is a melting pot, right? There are different cultures, different backgrounds, a huge gene pool there as well. So yeah. if anyone had the resources, I'm pretty sure if, you know, you go to places like South Sudan, for example, you know, where the, the average height is like, I don't know, six foot or something, if they had the resources and they, you know, had more, more training, more academies, things like that, the opportunities to play, I'm sure they'll be even probably better than the U.S., right? So it's, it's those things that you have to take in consideration. I'm not surprised that they won at all. Right? Yeah, that's that's, a, that's a, an interesting perspective, and I, I mostly agree with that sentiment, right, because I know a lot of Nigerians who end up going to the sports in, in North America, for example, usually almost always excel. I mean, look at the exactly. UFC, for example, right? Literally, all the belts are being held by Nigerians. Exactly. And so, it, it's it's eventually. I mean, the the Nigerian team were humbled by Australia, but during this run, they also beat uh, Argentina, which is one of the highest ranked teams in the league. Uh, you know, in the world, I should say as well. And and then this kind of brought about some comments from, I think it was Stephen Smith. Uh, I don't know if it was he was on ESPN or whatever he, uh, wherever he works at. Mm. And he came online, I'm mean, sure it was a segment from his TV show, but he was really, really condescending mm. and borderline racist. I don't even know if it was borderline. I think it was evident. And it, it goes to show that this is all connected. Like, it, you can even get racist abuse from people who look like you. Do you know what? Yeah, Massa has done so well in messing up people's um, view of themselves. They've done so well in, in messing up the psyche of what the black man, how the black man thinks, especially in America, I'll tell you that now, like of African-Americans, um, through generations like of slavery, indentured servitude, all of that, that's really messed up how they think of themselves, right? Like the epitome of, of being a successful African man, for example, in the law of times has been connected to say, you know, um, getting you that white woman, for example, right? Getting to the position of the massa, right? It looks, it looks like you've made it out there, to be honest. And then you, you come there where you see a lot of African-Americans thinking of themselves as superior to other Africans, right? People that are actually from Africa, right? Which shouldn't be the case. Like, the white man's not looking at, you know, both of you going, oh, yeah, this one's African-American, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to treat you better than the African. No, you're just black. To both, you're black to, you know, you're both black. So for you to, for someone that understands how racism and words work, how it's affected people in the U.S., how it's affected African-Americans in the U.S. for centuries, right, to come back now and then start to spew the same rhetoric towards a group of people, he should know better. Yeah, I mean, I know he's since come out to apologize, not just to the Nigerian team and the Nigerian, you know, community, but also to the Asian community because he also made some comments, mm. you know, uh, in, that, in that space that he says he clearly regrets and I've not really been a fan of, of his. I don't really know much about him. I don't watch uh, any of his shows or whatever. But I always thought he was obnoxious. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, after the apology, I decided to just, like, rethink and retrace my steps. Like, I don't even know enough about this guy to think he's obnoxious. I'm not saying I'm buying the apology. I'm just saying I'll just keep an open slate and just, like, let things, just let it be. Mm. And And I like how he gets called out on his nonsense. So if he ever finds himself in a position again where he starts spewing out things because he's not thinking before saying them or it's just like attacking like a whole race of people or, you know, a community, I, I think it, it should give him pause now after this incident that he should think twice about making those kind of comments. Yeah, I mean, whether I know him or not, like it's just simply unintelligent, like in the climate that we're living in right now, number one. 
Number two, I just feel like people who go towards race as an abuse, right, who try to do use racism as a way to abuse or attack a people or you know, use their culture or whatever, is is extremely unintelligent. It just shows your level of intelligence is so low. I'll be honest, like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like a smart Because, like, you go to the one thing that you know can hurt these people, right? You have no other, what's the word I'm looking for? There's nothing else you can say because you don't have any way to make an intelligent argument and intelligent conversation around this thing so the, the first thing you can say is just like attack it's like oh that person is a black n-word right or that person is a fat b-word like you just go for what you can see there's no other intelligent conversation you can have around it there's nothing else you can say so you just pick the easiest thing it's very lazy it's very lazy i'll tell you that right now yeah i think when he was making those comments initially it was making fun about how difficult the names are to pronounce or something like that and like that has anything to do with talent right it really has nothing to do with sports so clearly what you're saying for in regards to uh, this man is that ignorance is not an excuse it's not (laughs) it's never really been an excuse right but yeah um he's apologized uh let's see if he ever commits something crazy like this again i'm sure he's gonna be very careful now walking on eggshells when it comes to issues like this he better Oh, I hope so. I hope it's genuinely sorry as well. I'm not just saying that because it's a public outcry. <laughs> I, I, I saw the video, the apology video on Twitter, which makes me want to talk about how Twitter as a company decided to move fast and break things by jumping on the trend of stories like everybody else and seeing mm. that it kind of doesn't work for them and they're going <laughs> to pull the plug on it. Yeah, I mean, Twitter is more like, why would I want to go on Twitter posting my story? It just doesn't make sense. It's more of a, of a verbal... You know, writing down your story type Text of vibe, heavy. right? Yeah, like, what's the point of the story? Like, it's not really a visual... I don't know. Like, I never... It's been on my page when it was on my page, but I never watched anyone's stories. Because <laughs> why? You mean, you mean fleets. Or whatever they call it, <laughs> fleets, yeah. They'll call it a stupid different name, but yeah. It just doesn't work for Twitter. It's not, It's not. you know, it's not yeah. the one. I think the implementation, too, was kind of uh, dodgy for them because they also, after that, decided to introduce spaces which is the audio platform similar mm-hmm. to clubhouse and to to their credit it's something they've been working on for a while it's not like they just saw clubhouse and decided to like hop on the trend mm-hmm. uh, twitter has been experimenting with with spaces for a long time and whenever spaces happen it, they show up pretty much at the top section of your feed just the same way fleets do and when you start adding things it really really gets in the way of the exactly, experience yeah. and thankfully with spaces you can listen continuously while still scrolling through your feed you don't have to be stuck in the space, right? Mm. And one thing I admire Twitter for is how they let you post high-res photos. Mm. And I think this is an opportunity for them because I I am very certain that the decline of users on Instagram is something that we'll see over time. Instagram's strength right now is in stories, I think, which is not even a product that, or an idea that they came up with. It's something they had to evolve by borrowing <clears throat> stealing stealing <laughs> from you know from snapchat and then they hopped on reels because they saw how good tiktok is doing right mm. but people like photographers storytellers who go on there to try and post things you kind of find it really hard to like share your work because now people are more concerned about just checking the uh, the, the stories and or reels than anything else so i think twitter can really take advantage of this because they let you post like a lot of high-res photos they don't mess with the compression of your of your jpegs however you post them and that two minute twenty second cap they have on video, I think they should like just let it go. Cause I know verified accounts can go longer than that. 
Mm. And if you cross like a follower threshold, I think you can also post more than two minutes twenty, which is kind of weird because you know the idea for two minutes twenty came from like one hundred and forty characters for your tweet. Mm. So two minutes twenty is one hundred and forty seconds. So I think it was kind of clever when they started, but now even when they doubled the amount of characters you can tweet. They should do something about video. So people, you know, content creators who don't want to go to IG to post video or don't want to keep posting their photos can just find a place on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Especially because you can, like the way Twitter is organized, you can just keep scrolling. So if the video is too long for you, you can literally stop and keep moving, right? On like Instagram where it's more instantaneous, like you're scrolling for pictures, you get to a video, you don't want to spend too much time on it and just keep right. moving, right? So yeah, right. they just should probably look into that. I don't think it will harm them at all if they can allow you to do more. Um, longer videos and that might inc- increase their usership because people, you know, yeah, are interested in that, right? Yeah, I don't want to talk too much about Instagram because I think like, it's worthy of, a, of like a segment in itself in like another episode because mm. I think this is something that we really, really, really should get on. But I'm really looking forward to what Twitter uh, will do in the future because they, they clearly posted about it. They were taking off fleets, but don't worry, we're working on something and I really hope they're going to include you know, room for photographers, filmmakers, and, and just, like, Im- improve writing and maybe, you know, keep working on the features uh, they're adding to, like, the, the Twitter Blue, which is yeah. a subscription service, which, le- which lets you, like, basically edit tweets or whatever, like, right after we post it. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to what Twitter has to offer. Yeah, let's see how that goes. Hopefully it comes, uh, comes through soon. Things do take time, but yeah, I'm just I'm just looking. I, I want to see how they all evolve, like Instagram, Twitter. Um, what else is there? Snapchat, TikTok, <laughs> um, TikTok. So they, like, cause you know, new things come out. Like generations move away, and then there's sort of like a clash of generations as well, where like a younger generation doesn't really want to be on the same platform as the older generation. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to be on the same platform as your parents type of thing, right? Because you don't want that sort of crossover. So you find now that um, post millennials like. Generation Gen Z or whatever are now maybe focusing more on TikTok because their parents are not really on that platform, right? right? right. A lot of boomers and whatnot have gone on Instagram now, whereas before it was more of a millennial thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's all that crossover. So we always see like a share of user percentage, and then there's still you know Facebook. I don't know who really use that uses that anymore, but yeah. I really don't use Facebook <laughs> myself, but I know it, it still has. Still there, people still have profiles there. People have profiles um, on there. Boomers. Um, maybe some millennials. Um, yeah. What I have found with Facebook is, you know, besides all the craziness that happens on there, there's a lot of opportunities, you know. But like I said, it could be another segment by itself. So we're mm-hmm. going to put a pin in that and and talk about video gaming next. You know, I know we, we talked about Nintendo Switch in the past and like PS5 and then Valve out of nowhere decided to announce Steam Deck, which is basically a handheld PC. That's literally the best way to to describe it. Yeah, those are. Um, I don't even know how the gaming market is segmented these days because you've got you know your Xbox users, you've got your PlayStation users, you've got your PC users. But obviously, this this opens a whole new sector up because like you can use your PC for other things, right? Like right. PlayStations and Xbox are mainly gaming consoles, right? I mean, I know you can watch Netflix or whatever, blah, 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 but you don't really use them for compute, computing, right? You're not going to type a Microsoft Word document on your PlayStation or whatever. <laughs> but in terms of computers, you can actually use them for other um, other uses, right? You can you can work on them, you can do Excel, you can do Word, that sort of thing. So um, for hardcore gamers, um, this might, you know, sh- this might be a way for them to consolidate as well, right? Oh, yeah. um, not need an extra console, have everything in one, right? 
and then have this portable version of your game that you can take along with you as well. So maybe, yeah. maybe. I mean, I was looking at it, looking at the specs and the design and, and the ergonomics because I haven't felt it. But just looking at it, you can tell this guy's put some thought into this. And it just came out of nowhere because Nintendo came out just over a week ago. Mm-hmm. They're talking about the Switch OLED. And people were just mad at Nintendo talking about how, so you're going to give us a brighter screen and no bump in specs. <laughs> and I thought, you know, Nintendo will be foolish, actually, to put bump in specs because this is a good market that they, they already dominate for the most part. Which is just them. It's, it's like just no them, else is in- right? Maximize, like, turn this cash cow into, like, as many cash cows as possible. Keep selling the switch, this switches. You know, you don't need to iterate too much. Just make the screen brighter, which is exactly what they did, right? And then Valve was like, hold my beer. And they come out with, like, Specs, you know, like this AMD chip inside, you know, like it's ridiculous. Mm. So it, it's something I'm excited to see how how this this is going to be a major shift in the gaming industry if it works, right? Exactly. Because we've seen Sony come in, dip their toes in a handheld game for a long time, and just like you know, pull out, you know, the PSP and 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 all the other handheld devices that came out from Sony, and then Microsoft never really gave us anything handheld, right? But Nintendo stuck to their roots and you know from the game boy to the game boy advanced series and now brought switch which is essentially a dockable gaming console and valve is taking it one step further by giving you a dockable handheld pc because even though it runs uh an essential it's called steam os mm-hmm. but basically they let you if you want install windows on it which is ridiculous so you're just there you plug it in via USB C, and then you can install windows and when you dock it right now the way it comes out of the box even though it hasn't been released yet, I think pre-orders go live tomorrow. By tomorrow, I mean July the 17th of 2021. This device is going to be ready to use, right? Just plug a USB-C, mouse, keyboard, mm. and you can start gaming with first-person shooters or whatever. It's just mind, mind-boggling, mind-blowing. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm all for, you know, new stuff. I'm all for the economics of competition because this is obviously going to make Nintendo step up their game as well, right? They're going to have to do some research, see what they can do to improve the console. So all around, no matter how it goes, we're going to see, you know, an improvement in gaming in general because, like, once competition comes in, right, things start to get better. Like, PlayStation was the major gaming, uh, gaming console for the long time, longest time before you see, you see an Xbox come up and that in general has, you know, bounced off each other to improve um, the console itself, right? So I hope to see that here too, right? Then it's going to be sitting on their asses like they hopefully see this as big competition and it does come forward as big competition and then, you know, um, we see improvements on both um, systems, right? Oh, yeah. I, I think this announcement where at least at least get like one of the executives at Nintendo to break a sweat, if nothing. Mm. Because even though I'm sure they have their plans, their uh, five-year goal and 10-year goal regarding their next console or whatever, yeah. this is definitely going to throw a wrench in the wheel and make them rethink some decisions they already made. Yeah, definitely. Sure. And I think we should end this on like a, a brighter note. Uh, Osita Eheme, a lot of people don't know him by that name. They just call him Popo from Akian Popo. Mm. Decided to get into the NFT game recently. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I heard about it, you know, but with the MF, MS, MFT thing, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still getting my head around that. I think the thing about NFTs right now is like if you can join the hype hype train quickly, yeah. get in, get out. Because what happens is essentially they're like blockchain form of art, mm. right? Non-fungible token. That's what the NFT stands for. And a lot of people have been studying their art through NFTs. And I've always found it really strange. Like I still debate about this with my guys because I, I really don't know how there's any value in NFTs. But people are mm. spending money 
So essentially, Jack uh, Dorsey, you know, Twitter founder and CEO, he recently sold his first tweet as an NFT, as a non-fungible token, and he made a lot of money. However, when I go on his timeline, the feed is right there. The tweet is right there standing yeah, at me. You can still copy. You can still screenshot it. Right. You can, can still. a way to stop that. That becomes some sort of copyright infringement when you're sharing this thing without license to. Yeah. Right. I really don't see. So it, it's, you know, it's very interesting space because even I think it was Sotheby's that actually ran a recent NFT auction mm. with the artist Beeple. I've been following Beeple on Twitter for for a couple of years now. It does this thing where it does every every days where it basically creates art through a different medium every day on his feed. And he literally out sold in I'm talking about billions of dollars. He mm. like I should say millions or billions. I think it was millions of dollars. Uh, it's worth looking up. Um if there's any correction I'll put it in the show notes. But yeah, it is ridiculous how much money people are making from NFTs. And so being the popular face of memes in the world one of the most popular faces in memes i think it's smart of him to decide you know what i'm going to join this hype train and sell some of my reactions some of my my clips as nfts and and see and see how much money i can make from this yeah for sure i mean he's not losing anything he's out there selling it right right um, there's people that are buying it that <laughs> yeah somebody is going to pay for it yeah so well i'm not too sure about buying i mean but selling of course you're making money right? <laughs> Buying, not too sure how that's going to work. Need to be a few more rules set out. Uh, maybe some legislation has to fall in place yeah. before any of this becomes valuable. But maybe this would drive the legislation, right? Maybe this would drive it to that point where it needs to be to become like uh, a valid uh, business or trade or whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. So good luck, uh, Popo, in selling those NFTs. And I really, really hope you cash out because, you know, your face has given a lot of us like laughter and joy. As well as Aki, as a matter of fact, you know, they're like a very, very powerful team um, duo on, on screen. And I really, really hope he makes a, a good amount of money out of this. Yeah, for sure. It deserves it. All right. As always, that was Backyard Conversations. Thank you guys for listening. Tune in wherever you get your podcast. You know where to find us. Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify. The list goes on. Yeah, man. And we're now on Instagram as well. Backyard Conversations. You can follow One us word. on there too. Yep. Have a good one. And we are at Backyard Convos on Twitter. You can hit us with that follow button as well. Thank you and have an awesome day, week, year. All right, cheers. Cheers.